right, would you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 tonight, and then we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 as well. And then we're going to be flipping over to John, uh, the book of John, to look at some stuff uh, in, in John 14, 15, and 16 as well. So, um, and, and as you do that, I'm going to pray for us. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and lead us. That you would encourage us. You would bring to mind your scripture. You would empower us, Lord, to accomplish the call that you've placed on our lives. Jesus, we know that you... Uh, Laid, laid the pathway for the Holy Spirit to come. And as you were leaving, you said there's one coming that's going to be greater than, it's going to be, it's going to be one that's going to be a blessing to you. He's going to be a helper to you. And uh, Lord, we thank you that, that as you ascended, that you sent another, you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us. And so Lord, as we study this tonight, I pray that you would uh, just open our eyes to some of this truth and, and help us to understand your Holy Spirit in a greater way. And we give you place uh, tonight to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I have come to believe that one of the most exciting places in all of, of the world to be is, is in the delivery room of the hospital when your, your child is being born. Uh, I have had the privilege of, of being there uh, for four of my daughters as, as my wife gave birth to them. And it is an exciting uh, and terrifying uh, place to be, uh, but ex- exciting and, and, and incredible experience to be in that delivery room, to see this little life come come to life right in front of you to, to come out of the mother's womb and to be so precious and small and fragile and at the same time take that breath for the first time is just, in, it's, it's nothing that I've ever experienced anywhere else and, and it's, it's precious, it's powerful and, um, and despite the pain of the mo- that the mother goes through, uh, certainly to see your child born and hold them in your arms for the very first time is, is, is one of those wow moments, uh, at least for me. Well, to this evening, we are taken into the delivery room, so to speak. The delivery room uh, uh, of the church and uh, of the Holy Spirit and we're not going to only we're we're not going to only see the the birth of the church, but we're going to see the Holy Spirit being given to us and coming to us, and, and and understanding tonight what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Jesus, as he was leaving, he said, "There's one coming after me. That is the Holy Spirit." And so this this evening, I want to talk to you about the person. And the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and the purpose in, in, in his coming into the world. I think it's important to, you know, we haven't uh, had a, ch- a chance to stop and, and, uh, and talk about the Holy Spirit in a little while here in our church. And so I, I thought it would be applicable to, to do that tonight and to just to slow down and to look at uh, a, a few sections of Scripture so that we can understand uh, his role in our life. From a biz- biblical point of view, the, the Holy Spirit is not a mystical force or an essence. He is one of the persons uh, of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, in referring to the Holy Spirit in the book of John, uh, doesn't call him an it. He calls him a he. He using the personal pronoun. So he's a person that God, Jesus himself, called a person. In growing up, um, I grew up in the, in the Catholic church when I was younger. And I really didn't understand who the, the Holy Spirit was. 
I don't know if you ever struggled with that yourself. You, you, you wonder, gosh, what, what is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? What is this thing that we talk about, you know? Um, I remember at the age of nine sitting uh, in the Catholic Church thinking uh, that the Holy Spirit was some force or ghost, and I was wondering when he was going to show up at any time, you know? You know those moments uh, when you're a kid. And though uh, I accepted the Lord as my Savior a few years later in the Christian church, uh, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I really started to understand the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. My family had moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico, to, from Florida, and we started to attend a new church called Calvary Chapel. And this, this church was different to me because we would walk through the scripture and we would look at it verse by verse and it was challenging me and I was just a young guy. But I was listening and I was, I was wanting more uh, of what God had for me. And, and I, 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 at this time, Pastor Skip Heisig was, was teaching through the book of Acts. And, and I, I, as I just began to listen and learn by walking through the book of Acts, verse by verse, I began to understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And as I did, I realized that through the studying of the book of Acts, that, that the Holy Spirit wanted to, to speak to me. That he wanted relationship with me. That he wanted to, to, uh, to lead me and guide me in life and wanted to be a part of my life. He's not some mystical thing out there that wants to, we don't know where he's at, but he's, he wants to, as the Bible will, will see tonight, he wants to come close to us. He wants to be in us, and he wants to fill us. And so I started to understand this. And I, I was odd. I was, I was brought to life in a sense of, wow, Lord, you have someone that can be close to me right there, the Holy Spirit that's with me. You see, church, we can either walk in the power of the Holy Spirit or we can do life without the Holy Spirit. It's our choice. My hope tonight is that you would leave knowing and understanding the Holy Spirit's place in your life tonight. That you would come to understand that and you would take it, you know, you would take a hold of it just like I did when I was young and, and said, wow, Lord, okay, I, I see that. Throughout our time tonight, we're, we're going to see three things. We're going to see, we're going to understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit's coming. We're going to see the coming uh, the coming or the birth of the Holy Spirit into our lives, into the world. And then we're going to see the result of that, of the Holy Spirit's coming. Uh, and so those are the three things that we're going to look at tonight. So let's begin by looking at verse 1 of chapter 2, uh, Acts chapter 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That's pretty powerful. This is the moment that God the Father had decided to send his Holy Spirit into the world to reside in his church to empower us forever. This is a powerful moment. We spend a lot of time talking about Christmas when Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world as a baby, right? But we don't oftentimes spend much time thinking about when, when the Holy Spirit came into the world to empower us and to give us strength to do what, what God's called us to do. But first, I want to take a moment before we move on in Acts chapter 2. Now, we've, we've started the story. We see this powerful move, this, this, this rushing wind that comes in, and, then, and, and so we're going to just remember that, and we're going to step away from that for just a second, and we're going to go over to Acts chapter 1. So turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to now understand the purpose 
of the Holy Spirit's coming. Look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 1. And it says, The former uh, account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he, had, he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commands to the, the apostles whom he had chosen to, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of these things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So Luke, the author of this book, is referring to a time after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension into heaven, when he gave some specific instructions to his disciples. You see, Jesus appeared to them several times over a 40-day period of time. And when Jesus saw, when Jesus showed his disciples that he was uh, alive, he taught them many things while he was with them. And, and you can read these things at each uh, at the end of each of the Gospels, it's, it's, it's fascinating to read these accounts of what, what the disciples did as they, as they found themselves uh, distraught, not believing that Jesus was ever going to come back after, but then seeing Jesus and he, he shows himself to them. And so here's these really uh, awesome accounts, but, but then he tells them to do something. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there and I want, to, want you to wait for the promise. I love what Jesus said about this in Luke chapter 24 Verse 49, you don't have to turn there, but listen. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power from on high. Doesn't that sound cool? Like, how many of you want to be clothed with power from on high? I mean, it's like, yeah, God, bring it. Like, I want that. Well, that's what he said. I want you to go and wait for that, and it will come. Now, let's continue on in verse 5 of Acts chapter 1. For, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when you had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, uh, to Israel? And he said to them, it is not uh, for you to know that the times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while, he, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him from out of their sight." Now, this was his last words. And then Jesus, like, whew, and they're waiting. Now they're waiting in the upper room. They're waiting in Jerusalem, wondering, what, what is this that you're talking about? What is this power that we're going to receive? What is this Holy Spirit that's coming, that's going to come upon us? And how will we be your witnesses? Three things I want to point out in these verses. First is that, you, sh you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says you'll be baptized. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second is that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power. And then third, he says you shall be my witnesses throughout the world. Throughout the world. Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit as it pertains to us as believers, as it pertains to mankind, 
um, some understanding and truth so that we can understand a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Keep your finger in, uh, in Acts and then flip over to John chapter 14. Look at verse 16. We're going to be here uh, just for a few minutes, so just hang with me after we read these verses. But John chapter 14, verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it but because it, e- it e- neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we understand from these verses that the Holy Spirit comes alongside a, a person. The Holy Spirit comes alongside a person and pursues that person to become a believer, to walk alongside a person. You know those people in your life that you've been praying for, right? You're asking the Lord, God, save this person. They need you. They need you. You've been praying for family members and and co-workers and all these things and, and all these people. And guess what? I want you to know the Holy Spirit's coming alongside them. He's dwelling right next to them, convicting them of sin challenging them, trying to bring uh, challenge to their hearts, trying to bring uh, change to where they will, they will invite him into their life. This is the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside, trying to bring all to himself. He's the one that draws all men to himself, right? So we know this. So we see that he abides with all men. Then a person, when they open, when a person open up, opens up their heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into that person. He dwells and resides and lives in them. First Corinthians chapter six verse nineteen says, "Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you?" So if you are a believer and you've, and you've invited Christ to take control of your life, then the Holy Spirit has come into you and he resides in you. He's the one that, is, that gives you life to get up in the morning. He's the one that, that challenges you with different things. He's the one that convicts you of sin oftentimes. He is in you. And so when you're tempted to sin. He's the in you. He's right there. He's with you. When you participate in sin, he's in you. And his heart is grieved. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. So, so we understand that with all men, he, he abides with them. With, with us believers, he lives and resides in us, and there is then another thing, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the filling of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes upon a person once the Holy Spirit is in that person. Now you're going, well, that is, what's that about? It's like uh, baptism. Let me, let me explain it. When a person is baptized in water, they are completely immersed under the water, right? And when they come out of the water, they're dripping with water. They're wet, right? I, I know this personally because just recently uh, we had a baptism. And I, I, I baptized this young man and we, I put him under the water. And he was so blessed by me baptizing him and, and me and his life and these sort of things that he just, he just hugged me at the end, right? And he gets out of the water and he's just like embraced me and then he wouldn't let go. And I thought, oh, if he doesn't let go soon, we're gonna be, I'm going to be really wet, and he, and he let go, and I was just sopping wet. And that's the same with, with the, the, 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit, that we become filled with the Spirit so much so that we're dripping the Holy Spirit into other people's lives. We're, we're allowing the Spirit to lead and guide us into the things that he wants us to do, and it, and it impacts the people around us. That's the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit now, the problem with, with being baptized just once in the Holy Spirit is that we're leaky vessels. And though we may be filled with the Holy Spirit today, we're going to need the filling again of the Holy Spirit tomorrow. And that we need the power, His power, His filling every day. We, we see this a number of times in the, in the book of Acts. The same group of of believers that experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit here in Acts chapter 2 also were filled again and again throughout the book of, of Acts. So we see and understand that it's not just a one-time thing, but it's God, fill me up today. God, that's why we say, God, Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to, to teach your word. Empower me to do your work today. Empower me to overcome the sin or the temptation in my life. Holy Spirit. And so we see uh, which the Holy Spirit tells us, even though, or which tells us that I just lost my place. Which brings me to um, coming back to the Holy Spirit and the three things that we learned when we read uh, those verses out of Acts chapter 1. And that is, with the Holy Spirit comes power. That we receive power, but to do what? To be his witnesses to the world. You see, a a spirit-filled Life is a power-filled life. A power-filled life. The steam in a a locomotive train, it it doesn't just exist to toot the horn. The steam is to move the engine and power the engine to move that train. And the same is true of the Holy Spirit. It empowers, empowering of the Spirit is not given for people to feel these Holy Spirit goosebumps or, or these, you know, good feelings or these, you know, the, these feelings that you might feel sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves. You know, I, I grew up uh, in the Catholic Church when I was young, but but then later on, I was we were in a, a charismatic church, and and I remember all all it was we went to church and all we all it was about is trying to get the Holy Spirit to to experience Him, and to feel these feelings, and then we would leave, and then we would want to come back and do it again. But that's not the point of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to give us power to, to accomplish something, to empower us to do something. And that's what I hope we can get from, from understanding tonight. The Holy Spirit comes upon a person to empower him or her in order that the message of the gospel might be moved throughout the whole world. And then the end will come, the Bible says. Wouldn't that be awesome? as we're out doing the work of the Lord, that he just comes and takes us home. So you see, as you experience the power of God, you should in turn share that experience with others. That's the point. You, you experience his power and then you share that power. You share that experience with others so that they will come to know him and understand the same power that you understand. The power of grace, the power of love, and all the things that we understand as believers. You see, God, he, he's a missionary God. He has a plan. And his plan always has been to see every tribe, nation, people, language, 
reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet oftentimes that's not important to us. Yet this is the central focus of what he's talking about in this section. Now Jesus didn't say, you will witness. Go out and witness. It's not, it's not what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses. The, the power is so that we may be his witnesses, not here, but to, not also here, but to the uttermost parts of the world, to, to be used beyond this place. You see, the work that God is calling us as Christians to do demands divine power. It takes the power of God to go out and do the things that he's calling us to do. And so we need to be asking the Lord, what is it that you want me, one of me? Is there something you want me to step out and do? do you, is there something you want me to be empowered to go do for your name? We cannot rest solely upon our personality or our natural abilities to go and do evangelism or do the work that God's called us to do. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. We've got to trust that he's going to do that work. Now let's look further in, at the Holy Spirit's purpose. Uh, I, I want to look at John 14, uh, 26. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. He's our teacher. He's a helper to be our teacher and to teach us all things that, that we've heard and we need and to understand. And he says, and then he will bring to remembrance all that has been shared with us. So he's going to bring to remembrance his word when we need it. If we're asking for it. If we're wanting it in those times of need. So that's, that's important. That's awesome about the Holy Spirit. Then John, flip over to John 16. Look at verse 7 through 9. Again, it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I, if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in him. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He also comes to convict sin and, bring, and convict righteousness and to bring judgment upon sin. Remember that moment where, where uh, you were challenged about salvation and, and this conviction comes in your heart about your sin? And you're just like, oh my Lord. Like you're overwhelmed because of your sin. And the reality uh, that how could a God love you and, and forgive you? And, and, and God, in his love and grace, forgives you, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicted your hearts, that convicted you. And he's the one that works in the hearts of those that you're praying for in your workplace and in your family. The Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit's coming is necessary in our lives for knowledge and understanding of God's word, and he's our helper. Are you relying on your helper in your life? As he brings conviction in our, in our lives over sin, areas of sin in our own life. But what is all this for? It's to, to be his witness. Now, uh, a witness, if you think about a, a courtroom, Think about a courtroom for a second, and what does a witness do? A witness testifies to what he has seen or what he's experienced. Now remember what the Acts, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So the power is what brings about the witness. That power that we receive from the Holy Spirit to walk this Christian life, to experience his love, to do all, that's the power of God. And when we experience that, we then can be his witness. We can say, you know what? I need to share with you what's happened in my life. I need to share with you what God's doing in me. I want you to understand the grace that was given to me. I want you to understand the love that I've experienced, all those things. And that's, that's the understanding of, of being a witness. Now jump back with me to the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And the remainder of our time will be in, in, in Acts chapter 2 together. But I, want you to, I wanted to, to lay a, gra- a groundwork, a foundation to understand what the Holy Spirit came for, what his purpose is, and what, he, what he's doing in our lives. Now this is now this is an, the awesome this moment that we were talking about the birth of the church as well as the the coming of uh, of the Holy Spirit into into the world. Look at verse one again of chapter two. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a, a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, obviously, they were in a place near the temple in Jerusalem. They were in an upper room because that's what it's called. But we don't know today where that is and where it took place. All we know that it, 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 it held at, at least 120 people because there were, was 120 followers of Jesus there in that, in that place. But no one really knows exactly where this, this place is. Also, it was the day of Pentecost, This day was also called the Feast of Harvest. It's kind of a fitting name as we understand what's going to happen this day. And and later on in this chapter, we see that 3,000 people come to know Christ and are added to the church, the beginning, the birth of the church in a single gathering because of the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment. Also, the word Pentecost means 50 or 50th. This takes place 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits, which takes place during the week of Passover. This is the week that Jesus went to the cross and was crucified. So it's 50 days after the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Another thing to understand is that Jerusalem at this time would be filled with people. All around the, the town would be in Jerusalem would be people from all over the region, all over from different, different areas coming in for the festival. You see, every, every year the Jewish men had to make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem at least three times a year. If, uh, if, they were, if they were able to during this time of, uh, of these different feasts. To, to, sh- to be there present at, at, the, at, the, at the temple. And so, uh, so the, the, the Jerusalem was, was packed. It, it, was, it was like Broncos game day in, in Denver. You know, it, it, people were everywhere and all over the place. And, and they're looking to part, be a part of this feast in and, uh, and Jesus, um, and, and God the Father decides to, to send his Holy Spirit in this moment. It says that they heard this sound, this, this violent rushing wind. Uh, now, take a moment to imagine what that might have been like. It came from heaven, and this, this huge sound of this violent rushing wind was in the heavens and then it moved down into Jerusalem and then went into the room and it and, and it took it took place right in took them right into the room where where they were at in the upper room that would have taken if if you think about a, a hurricane in the, in the wind that comes from a hurricane, if, a, if 150 mile winds came through here and, and we heard that, we would all be going, what just happened outside? 
And we would probably stop and look and wonder what is happening and where is it coming from and where is it going. Well, this is what happened in Jerusalem. This mighty rushing wind came through and, and, and then moved right into the upper room. It got everybody's attention that was around in Jerusalem. All the people that were there for the feast was now focused on this sound in this rushing wind that then moved into the upper room. I can imagine that they were all fixed on what was happening and wondering what's going to happen. Then look at verse 3 and what happens next. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat upon each, each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, being, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is an, uh, obviously a supernatural, supernatural moment. There is something we, this is something we would see in the movies, right? This this tongues of fire and, and like good special effects in, in a movie, yet this is the real deal. Like this is real God stuff right here, the power of God. It's the power of God bringing forth the Holy Spirit uh, to mankind. Let me say that again. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit to us, his church, his bride, so we see these tongues that appear as fire upon, uh, that come and, and distribute themselves uh, and rest upon each of the people that are in the, in the upper room. And as these flames, flame-like tongues, they're not hot, they're not, it's not fire, but they look like fire, rest upon each person there in the upper room, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them words or sounds to speak. Look closer here. It says they were filled with the Spirit. And the, the, this, the, this is the filling that we were talking about earlier. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The filling that we all need in our lives. A filling that we need often from the, from the Spirit of God. Then the next thing that happens is they started speaking in other, uh, other languages, foreign languages to themselves. Now look at verse 5. And they were dwelling in, in there, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. This is powerful. Now, when I f remember back in the day when I was a, a young teenager and I read this for the first time, I thought, this is weird. This is strange stuff. I just, in fact, I, I kind of just wanted to skip it and kind of move on and go, eh, this is woo, woo-hoo, you know, kind of weird. And just kind of put it aside, you know, Holy Spirit, I don't know about that, you know. But, but this is for a purpose, and I want you to see this. God has a purpose in all of this. Why were these devout men from every nation here? It says there were devout Jews from every nation there in Jerusalem for this moment, for, this, for them to hear this wind and then to gather where the wind was and to come up to the upper room. Because God was about to reveal himself in a way that he has never. That's why. Isn't it like God to do this? This wasn't some random day. No, God had a strategy in mind when he did this. He, he set it all up. He did it on purpose so this would be a powerful moment that we would never forget as the body of Christ. It wasn't some weird event that we need to kind of put on the shelf and say, I don't understand that. These are strange things, but no. God had a plan. Let's look how that plan unfolds. Look, let's continue. By the way, now, most, uh, my most educated guess is that the sound of this violent rushing wind brought them together. 
to the place where these 120 were waiting for Jesus to give the promise. And then that is when God used these languages that were being spoken to to speak forth the truth of his name to these Jews gathered in Jerusalem. So all these men, these men from all these nations, come up to this room, and they're, they're going, what is going on? And then they walk in, and they're like, these Galileans are speaking my language from, uh, from other countries. How do they know this? How do they even know? They're not even educated. Galileans were, were known not to be that educated. And, and so these Galileans, we, we hear and understand in the verses to come that they were speaking their language, speaking about God, speaking the truth and, and praises of God and, and speaking of his name. And this is a miracle. This is God evangelizing to these nations that all gathered in one moment for this moment so that the Holy Spirit could go and do his work. What does he, what does he call us to do? To be his witnesses into the world. And in this moment, he, do, he's, he does all of it in one second. The Holy Spirit moves in such a, po- a powerful way that he, he then uh, witnesses and shares his truth to all these Jewish men. What is God doing here? God is spreading the truth of his name instantaneously through the power of the Holy Spirit. These men will will return to their homes, to their countries, and share the greatness of God and the truth of the cross to their family and friends. Now that's cool. God's a missionary God. He, He... he truly desires to see the nations one and to see his heart come, come together that all would know his name and all would, would, uh, would know of his grace and his love. And he does it right here for us to see how important it is to his heart. His heart is to see all mankind around the throne, his throne. God has already set the stage for world evangelism. They haven't even left the upper room, yet God is moving. God brings all of the nations together so they can experience his Holy Spirit and his outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Church, we need to be ready for the Holy Spirit to pour out himself here. We need to be ready to be empowered to do his work. We need to be ready and willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he has for us. Oftentimes we don't do that. Look look on in verse 7. And they were all amazed and and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are, are not all these who spoke Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born Parthians and Medes and uh, Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and and Asia, uh, Ferga and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, um, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Parcelites, Uh, Cretans and uh, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues and the wonderful works of God. It says they they marveled and they were amazed. It doesn't say they were afraid. This isn't supposed to be weird or crazy. It's the Holy Spirit coming and showing himself. Now, I want you to understand where all these people were from, and I'll, uh, I'll be quick about it. It says, I, I want, uh, it says the, f- the first four countries that were listed in, in that list are modern-day Iran and Iraq. The next three were co- covered modern-day Turkey. Then it says Asia, and then we have North Africa, and Egypt, then Italy and, and Greece, the Grecian islands and Saudi Arabia. All of God's 
God's testimony of who he is is going out to these nations right in this moment. Incredible strategy by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Uh, others mocking said they are full of new wine. So these, these passerbyers or these bystanders were mocking and saying, what is this craziness that I see? But if you got close enough and you wanted to understand, it was the joy of the Lord. Transforming lives and bringing truth. Well, the rest of this chapter, starting with uh, verse 14, we see the apostle Peter stand up through the power of the Holy Spirit and give a very deep and very profound gospel message, and I encourage you to read it uh, after we leave, maybe tonight or tomorrow morning, because it's him being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being filled to go do what he is called to do. But just earlier in, in, uh, in Peter's life, he was afraid to go do this. He wasn't willing to go do that. He said he wanted to go back to fishing. Yet he receives the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise, and he stands up and he witnesses and, and 3,000 people come to know Christ. A powerful move of the Holy Spirit in such a way in fact, look down at verse 37 of, of Acts chapter 2. And it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? How do I get saved? What is this truth that you've told us about, this, this understanding of Jesus? You see, when the Holy Spirit convicts hearts, when he pierces hearts, we won't have to ask them. They'll ask us. How, 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 can, I, how can I get saved? What is this truth that you're talking about? What is this, tra- the, can, can I have that grace that you know? And Peter goes on, and he says in verse 38, then the Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord God will call. And many and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation then those who gladly received the word were baptized in the day in that day about 3000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship to breaking of bread and prayers peter shares the gospel and ends with the promise the promise is this, salvation. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit empowering us to be his witnesses? It is to bring salvation to the world. It is to bring salvation to this city. It's to bring salvation and truth to, to hearts. And sometimes we get lost in this church we forget the loss. We forget that God wants to use us, empower us to, to reach them. And we just keep coming in every week. Let me encourage you as we, as we end and as the band comes out and, and, and takes their place. It is about salvation. It's not about this Holy Spirit feeling no, sometimes we need to wait on the Holy Spirit for him to do what he wants to do in us so we can go out there and do his work. The result is salvation. The result is dedication and devotion uh, to Jesus. We see that in the early church here. So as we close, the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming is to empower us. If you've never experienced the power of, of the Holy Spirit, you should. You need it. It is a necessity in your life. 
You can't live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit being filled uh, and, and, and empowered to do his work. As we go out tomorrow to be his witnesses, as we go to work to be his witnesses, as we go to school to be his witnesses, in what we say, in the way we live our lives, we need the power of God to do that. It's hard to do it in our flesh. It's hard to do it on our own, isn't it? We need him to be, to be the, the example that Christ wants us to be. We need the Holy Spirit, and we need to be asking him daily to fill us, to use us in, in the places where we, we, we spend our day. Not to, not to try to come in to church and get a feeling and then, and then leave, but to, to be empowered for, to, to give us boldness to live for him. So my, my question, are you experiencing the power of God, the power of the Spirit in your life? Maybe some of you are coming in here and you're just beat up over sin every week, every week. And let me tell you, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that will overcome that sin. He's the one that wants to bring to remembrance all of Scripture. He wants to give you conviction. He wants to convict your heart so you don't go there again. He's the one that's right there. But you've got to let him. You've got to ask him. You've got to ask him to fill you. And are you, are you letting him be your helper? He wants to help you. As we take communion together, I want to encourage you to uh, consider these things. Jesus, as he was leaving, said, there's one coming after me. He is your helper. Let him help you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for um, this time that we can come into uh, to communion, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you would, um, Lord, first you would, you would fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we desire to be used by you. You're, we're your church. Lord, would you... Um, would you empower us tonight to be your, your witnesses, Lord? Would you empower us tonight to, to live for you, to long for you? Lord, as we come to your table tonight, Jesus, um, have your way with our hearts, Lord. Maybe there's some in here, Lord, that need to ask for your Holy Spirit. They've never asked to be empowered or to be filled or to be baptized with your, your Holy Spirit and to, to receive that power. And Lord, I pray tonight as we end, Lord, that they would come and find someone to pray with, to ask for that. But Lord, don't let us go out of these doors without remembering who you are and what you've come for, who what you've sent your Holy Spirit to do. And so, Lord, have your way as we, as we take communion now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.